Hello and welcome to our Secular Overeaters podcast series, where you'll hear from speakers who have found recovery from food and other addictions without God. For additional information, go to secularovereaters.org. And now let's get to today's podcast. The purpose of this group is to discuss the 12 steps, one at each meeting, and to share our personal experiences with the step or anything related to the theme of the step. Many of us are inspired by the 12-step approach, but find that some of the original language and concepts don't align with our personal beliefs. During this meeting, we will read several different interpretations of the steps and discuss, as the varied individuals we are, what makes sense to us and what helps our recovery. As always, please take what you like and leave the rest. We'll start by reading the Freethinker Alternative 12 Steps for Overeaters. Please take a turn reading a step or two and then say pass when you are finished. I will call on hands in the order raised to do that reading. So, Jenny, if you'd like to start us off, that'd be great. Freethinker alternative 12 steps for overeaters. Step one, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe and to accept that we needed strengths beyond our awareness and resources to restore us to sanity. Pass. Kate M., please. Step three, made a decision to entrust our will and our lives to the care of the collective wisdom and resources of those who have searched before us. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Pass. Thank you. Judy H. Step five, admitted to ourselves without reservation and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're ready to accept help in letting go of all of our defects of character. Thank you, Judy. M. Step seven, with humility and openness, sought to eliminate our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Thank you. Karen? Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Pass. Thank you, Karen. Chelsea? Step 11, sought through meditation to improve our spiritual awareness and our understanding of the OA way of life and to discover the power to carry out that way of life. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Chelsea, and everyone who read. Appreciate that. This month, since it's April, we will be discussing step four in more detail. We'll be reading eight versions of this step four today. The OA traditional, free thinker, Buddhist, Cleveland atheist, humanist, practical, proactive, and SOS or secular organization for sobriety versions. These sources can be found in the literature and websites listed in the chat and on the handout. Please take a turn reading a version of the step and say pass when you are finished. Again, I'll call on hands in the order that they're raised. Jenny, please. Uh, Step four versions. The OA principle is courage. And then the traditional free thinker and Buddhist are all the same. And that step is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Pass. Thank you, Jenny. Valerie? Cleveland, a search honestly and deeply within ourselves to know the exact nature of our actions, thoughts, and emotions. Pass. Judy? Humanist, we have made a list of the situations in which we are most likely to eat. Pass. 
Karen D, please. Okay, practical. Made a comprehensive list of our resentments, fears, and harmful actions. Yes. Chelsea? The proactive version. I examine my life with honesty, searching for patterns in how I've been relating to people and situations. Pass. All righty. Well, since we don't have another hand up, I'll just read the SOS. I make a searching and fearless inventory of myself, of my strengths and weaknesses. I choose not to permit problems to overwhelm me, rather to focus on personal growth and the unconditional acceptance of others and myself. So those are the four versions. We're now open for discussion about these steps and these versions. What does step four mean to you? And what are your impressions of the different versions we just read? Please raise your hand when you're ready for a turn and please allow everyone a chance to talk before speaking again. Again, as a reminder, we'll start with those participants who don't mind being recorded. Who would like to begin? Uh, Judy, thank you. Go for it. Judy, sugar addict and uh, habitual compulsive overeater. Um, and somebody had to go. So uh, I'm a little torn between um, Cleveland and SOS. And some of that is I say this every month. If you can use more words, I always will. So SOS is the longest and I like it. But when I was working step four, originally from the traditional book, and I was making that searching and fearless moral inventory, which I don't disagree with, um, I was absolutely thrilled to find strengths while I was doing that. And yet I found that that even though the OA book talks about that, there's still so much focus on that negativity and on not building those strengths up as you go along with the steps. So I liked Cleveland because it's neutral. It's emotionally neutral. You're simply examining yourself. And I truly appreciate that. And I like the SOS because it specifically says strengths and weaknesses. Um, and it allows me you know, and again, it carries me through focusing on personal growth and the unconditional acceptance. So I'm literally torn between these two steps. I love them both. And I am not quite, you know, these two versions of it. I'm not quite sure which one I would choose as my personal step. I may decide by the end of the meeting when I've heard a few more people say this. But with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Barbara C. Hi, um, I'm Barbara C, a compulsive overeater. And I really like both the Cleveland and the humanist. I really found I've used the humanist. Um, the Cleveland, because it really does make us look back at our at ourselves to, to try to analyze the nature of our actions. Um, the humanist, because I found it's really helped me, especially when I've struggled with my abstinence, to make a list, because very often it's repeated at the situations that I'm in, whether it's in a family situation where I'm feeling a lot of stress, um, I'm, if I'm in a restaurant where I don't feel comfortable maybe with um, sharing with the people that I am a compulsive overeater and I have to eat a certain way, stress very often. And the situations that cause me stress, um, it's something that Whenever I struggle with my abstinence, I need to look back and analyze why am I struggling? What's going on here? What is my deeper feelings and how can I change them? 
so that the next time it isn't such a struggle, the next time I feel more serenity in, you know, meeting with family, meeting, you know, with a restaurant, whatever. So that has been really helpful. And the humanist one I, I very much like. Thank you, Barbara. Karen D. Hi, I'm Karen, compulsive overeater, food addict. You know, I really, after being in OA for a while, I have just really started to do the fourth step. And I've been using the, um, the traditional OA workbook, the 12 and 12 workbook. And um, I don't know, I just got so overwhelmed at like the 5,000 questions they want you to answer. And, I, you know, I had to put it aside because I just I, I just couldn't deal with it. Um, so I, I'm liking these because it's not they're not telling you what to do so i have to figure out how to do that but um i just like the way all of them are looking at at things uh but i think for me the ones i really like a lot are the proactive and the sos and i like the proactive because it's talking about patterns and how i've been relating to people and situations and for me yeah that really is it's just so true it's just like A leads to B, leads to C, leads to B, leads, leads to compulsive overeating. And, um, and it, it almost has felt like the pattern is set in stone. And as I was talking to someone about this, and um, she, she happened to mention that my behavior in a lot of these situations is learned behavior. And so since it is learned, it is possible to change it, to, to learn something new. And I think that where it's talking about this, I don't know, it just really hits home for me. And I, I like the SOS because it is talking about strengths and weaknesses and not permitting problems to overwhelm me. Because in all honesty, I can become overwhelmed so easily. If I have to make a decision between turning left and turning right, it's like I'm almost paralyzed because I just can't decide what I, what I need to do. Um, so I think that those are the two that are, are really calling out to me right now. Thank you, Karen. Jenny? Hi, Jenny, sugar addict, compulsive overeater. Um, I don't have like that knee-jerk reaction that a lot of people have to the moral inventory or the word. Um, I mean, I don't really like it, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, I can't take this. Um, What I really do like about the traditional step is just searching and fearless. And I love the word fearless because even though honesty is used in a lot of these, I feel like fearless um, more aptly describes like what I had to do for my own process. Like I really had to look at stuff that I didn't want to look at and I had to be fearless and really willing to, you know, overcome that. Um, And for some reason, you know, honesty didn't quite, didn't quite go the distance for me um, with that. And also it's kind of hard. I sort of feel like I'm never probably going to have like one set of steps that you know, sums it all up for me. And so I just like all different little bits of this. And I really like that there are so many and that we can read these and it can help like spark ideas about, you know, how we might want to work this step. And maybe it doesn't have to be just like one. And I do like the humanist, like thinking about like, what is it that triggers our addiction? But another thing after having been in OA now for six years, I'm not saying that my addiction is 100% under control, but it's, I've learned how to deal with that mostly. And sometimes I have slips, but um, I, I mostly don't, but I still am working on my lifelong goal of, of re- the reason why I am doing the steps and in 
uh, OA and secular OA is I just want to become a better human being. And so I want to move on, you know, be, to be doing like step fours continuously, not to just look at what triggers my food, but also just what triggers unhappiness or jealousy or shame or, you know, any of the feelings. So um, I like that. And I just, I think though, overall, I really do like the proactive examining my life with honesty, searching for patterns on how I've been relating to people and situations. And when I was doing step four, I didn't really do the chart the way that a lot of people do it. I ended up just like picking like people out of my life. You know, it's like, I wrote about my dad, like all like the, you know, I did a, you know, searching and fearless inventory of like my relationship with him. And then I moved on to my mom and then my sister and my grandparents, you know, I just took like specific people um, in my life and just really tried to look as deeply as I could about those relationships. And, um, and I did find patterns. And uh, so that's why I like the proactive pass. Thank you, Jenny. M? I am M. I'm a disordered eater. And I really like, I've never been to a secular meeting. I found the podcast. So I really like these steps. Um, I was getting kind of blocked in the other meetings, but I like the proactive. I examine my life with honesty, searching for patterns, because that's something that really will show up if I examine it is, oh, this keeps happening, different people, different circumstances, but same behaviors. So I really like the proactive approach past. Thank you, Em. Chelsea? Everybody, Chelsea, compulsive eater, food medicator, et cetera. Um, I was really struck by the proactive version, which I haven't really come across that much. Um, all of these are new and all of my um, literature and, and tools and manuals and things, workbooks are all in storage right now. So I'm sort of doing this um, from, from a distance, but I really like this version about examining my life with honesty. And for me, the part that struck me this morning was searching for patterns. I mean, first of all, I was raised in a, a Christian household. So I always looked forward. We, and we also a household that didn't allow candy. So Easter was like this miraculous day when suddenly it was okay to have candy and it wasn't immoral behavior. And I started thinking about how many of these patterns I keep alive that I really am ready to just jettison. I don't need that weight in my life anymore. And I'm also noticing the same thing happening. Like so many people talk about the way that this program starts as a, as a food program and then just transmogrifies into this becoming a better person program, which is also kind of my end goal for this. Um, so watching for patterns that I like with my partner, that certain fights that we just, we look at each other now and we just go, do we, do we need to finish this one? This is number 2,347. We know this one and we can just start to drop it. So I'm really liking that part about um, just becoming aware uh, and searching for patterns. Thank you and pass. Thank you, Chelsea. Jill? Jill, compulsive overeater and sugar addict. And I've been in OA since last September. And so I've gone through the steps um, once. And for me, um, when I look at these, um, I think the first, I may look at this different going forward, but going through this for the first time, I really was between practical and humanist. I think practical, I did look at the worksheets and I tried to um, go through the worksheets and as they were written, 
listing my resentments, fears, and my harmful actions. And then I found that doing this step, I constantly was saying to myself, what in the heck does this have to do with anything? If I have a fear of spiders or I have a fear of, um, so I was bouncing between that and getting back to um, the situations when we were most likely to eat. And that kind of centered me into why am I doing this? And what were the things that really triggered um, my eating? So um, I think going forward, I think I will continue to evolve how I look at this, but I, I did have a difficulty t- difficult time with step four, trying to figure out how this related to my eating. And I think by the time I finished with it, I had a better understanding that it wasn't just about my eating, but it was about um, improving my life as well. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Jill. Valerie. I was going to say that um, when I was working these steps, I used the traditional book and, you know, tried to translate as best I could, but I kept recurring thought over again. It's like, I didn't do anything to somebody, you know, I don't know. I I'm not wrong here. I'm not wrong here. And what I discovered was that even though I may not have perpetrated some hurt, I had responsibility into how I carried it and in carrying things and not resolving them or not realizing they can't change or not realizing they're in the past that it's my life now and my life to move forward. That was a lot of the accountability that I got from step four was, yeah, whatever happened, happened the way it happened. You can, you know, I'm not saying I'm innocent of anything. I owe some apologies, but a lot of what was eating me were things that were done to me, but here I was carrying it and living in it instead of living my life. And step four helped me take responsibility for my step in those, my, my responsibility in those feelings. And I thought that was um, a really neat thing about step four that it it took me months to get through it. But uh, what I finally got through it was that, you know, my attitudes are mine. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Valerie. Uh, actually, I will speak briefly while we're recorded. What the heck? Thank you. Um, I just thought I would say, where is it? Um, I I kind of like both the humanist and the proactive steps. I like kind of a combination of the two of them um, because I find the idea that it's patterns of behavior um, is really helpful for me in thinking about when I have trouble with food and when I don't. And um, I like the focus on the idea that these are adapt- behaviors that were once adaptive because they once helped us with something, um, whether it was dealing with a difficult situation or stress or emotions or whatever it is. And it's just that they have become maladaptive over time. Um, and I'm also interested in that idea of patterns because I recently heard the best definition of karma that I've ever heard, which is that karma is just habitual responses to situations that don't change even when the situation changes. 
um, so that you tend to create the same problems for yourself over and over again, just like bad boyfriends or something like that. And I find that idea really, really helpful in terms of thinking about my reactions to situations and using food as a tool in ways that make the situation worse in the long run, not better. Um, so that's my pitch for the humanist and the proactive idea of patterns and, and situations in which we use food to respond. Thank you. We'll now take turns reading different authors' insights or interpretations of step four and then share our thoughts about those interpretations. Again, please raise your hand when you're ready for a turn and say pass when you're done. We'll start with Barbara C. I am Barbara C., still a compulsive overeater. Um, Alan Berger, the essence of this step involves increasing our self-awareness, self-honesty, and insight into our behavior path. Thank you, Barbara. Kate? Uh, Martha Cleveland, we each have beautifully crafted webs of denial about situations in our lives, about other people, and most deadly about ourselves. Path. Thank you, Kate. Chelsea? Stephanie Covington, when we carry intense guilt, we can hardly bear the thought of reviewing our past deeds. It may feel too painful to think about how we've hurt others and hurt ourselves. We may question the value of opening old wounds and remembering scenes we'd rather forget. It was a revelation to discover that step four was not about agonizing over my past. It was about getting to know myself better. Page 59. Pass. Thank you, Chelsea. Karen? Gabor Mate. The idea here is not self-condemnation, but the preparation of a clean slate for a life of sobriety. We search our, our conscience to identify where and how we have betrayed ourselves or others, not to wallow in guilt, but to leave ourselves unburdened in the present and to help clear our path for the future. Pass. Thank you, Karen. Monty? Uh, Therese, uh, Jacques Stewart, in step four, we are asked to look at parts of ourselves we are uncomfortable with, the parts that we reject and keep hidden out of fear or shame. Page 49. Thank you, Moni. And Judy, if you'll finish us off. Serge Prengel, thinking in terms of patterns means taking into consideration different circumstances, different times, different people. Then you can reflect on what it is that tends to activate you, bad patterns and good patterns as well. The only thing that makes this kind of honesty possible is removing the notion of judgment, that is, the potential for blame and shame. The attitude you are cultivating is one of compassion, the notion of mindful observation and the art of finding serenity in patience in looking at yourself, being curious. This builds up an inner sense of safety and trust, which makes it more bearable to face reality. Pass. Thank you. Alrighty, go ahead and raise hands to comment on your views and experiences with these insights. Judy, you can start us off. I really, really liked what Stephanie Covington said with, with the end there. It was a revelation to discover that step four wasn't just about agonizing about my past. Instead, it was about getting to know myself better, because I really feel like that's what step four did for me. Uh, you know, as I said before, the fact that even before I had, uh, you know, really read it and, and, you know, when I started right off the bat, I was discovering good as well as bad quote marks there. 
and really reminding myself of who I had been, what I had done. And I appreciated uh, that part a great deal. Um, just the fact that I found one strength made me more comfortable with myself and uh, made a real change in my attitude towards myself. So with that, I will pass. Thank you, Judy. Who else? Ah, Chelsea, go ahead. Everybody, Chelsea, compulsive overeater, food medicator, um, and sugar addict. I wanted, I, I actually could comment on any one of these. And, and it, it really is about um, re, just sort of facing reality. I, I kind of collect people's um, descriptions of what addiction and recovery mean. And I heard a really lovely um, description of, of recovery that I, I really have gotten a lot out of. Um, a woman said that for her, and she was in the, the beverage program, but she was saying that for her, recovery meant developing a relationship with reality. And I really think that's what step four is all about for me is just like the reality is I can't have that food. And whether it's for a day or a lifetime, that just isn't on my program. I cannot do that thing. And I'm really tired of living in regret. I spent so much of my life waking up every day in regret. And I think if I can face reality in the moment, um, that for me is what recovery is about. So when I, I especially love the, also that last line in Stephanie Covington's version about getting to know myself better. Um, because if I really pay attention almost every time that I go off my program in any way, whether it's about food or my behavior, um, I look back and I know that there was a little voice down inside me that I just wasn't listening to. So uh, again, that's reality, taking that moment for that moment of pause, which really is starting to feel sacred to me. If I can, if I can pause before acting, whether it's eating or saying something that I'm going to regret, I can often jump straight across that chasm to not having done that thing and not having to live with that regret. Um, so for me, all of a step four is about developing a relationship with reality, which I'm coming to just love so much. Thank you. Pass. Thanks, Chelsea. Jill S. Hi. When I um, look at this, I think I, ref I relate most to the Gabor Mate. The idea is not self-condemnation, but the preparation of a clean slate. Um, I think it's it may be very different when you come into the program at what age you're at. Um, I found that um, I came into the program, I'm 65 years old. I um, have given up a lot of my resentment um, it, it just in being older. And, and when I look at, um, I know the suggestion of going back to when you're in elementary school and wrongs you, I can't even remember a lot of those. Um, but what someone said to me once was, um, which was really important, is what are those things that are just kind of on the back, you know, somewhere in your mind that come up every once in a while? And I really sat down once and I really tried to meditate on what were those things that were kind of itching in my brain, those people that I had lost contact with because of some kind of falling out, um, those um, 
situations that hadn't gone away. Um, and um, so that's, I, that one uh, really spoke to me because I kind of, that's the way I think of this step. What it did for me is try to clean up um, where I was so I could move forward and discover more of um, where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jill. Monty, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Monty, a compulsive overeater here in Maryland. Um, well, first of all, who doesn't love a clean slate? So <laughs> I like that concept of it. Um, and, oh dear. And um, I think part of it was self-denial. Uh, you stop looking at a mirror for, you know, 40, 50 years and um, denying what, you know, this compulsion to eat was doing to myself. And so once you sort of reorientate myself to the reality of the situation. Um, so, yeah, and then coming to that realization that once I do start living in reality, then um, in the clean slate, forget about the past. Let's keep moving forward. I also, I get very, um, I don't like language that's passive, you know, um, sort of. And there's a lot of it in OA that you're supposed to just give yourself up and the solution will come to you. And I think I like the concept of working it. Uh, I guess I, that's just always been my solution. You start working a problem and then the solution comes to you. It comes to you through the working, whether it's the meditation or the writing or the meetings, um, the solution will bubble up. But um, just to the passive attitude seems to me it's almost like that's the denial, the inactive. I, I don't find a solution comes to me by being passive. I have to go, even if I make mistake after mistake, by trying, I, I do learn. But I never gave up on myself. So, Thank you, Mai. We appreciate it. Who else would like to say something? Ah, Jenny, please. Um, when I think about step four, it's really hard for me to uncouple this from step five, because when every I've done the steps twice with my sponsor, and it's always been, I've talked about step four as I've gone through, you know, my step five as I've been going. But I, I just really so relate to Stephanie, Stephanie Covington. When we carry intense guilt, we can hardly bear the thought of reviewing our past deeds. It may feel too painful to think about how we've hurt others and hurt ourselves. And um, I mean, I think this fits in with what I was saying earlier um, about the fearless moral inventory or the fearless inventory. Um, it was fantastic to be able to have, you know, a clean slate, if even just for that afternoon of sharing this stuff with someone to be able to just let it spew it all out and to have someone listen to it and be able to say, that's not so bad or, wow, that was bad, but you know, you can change going forward or whatever. Um, but just to have like an honest feedback from someone. Um, but I just really did help with my um, food addiction to be getting rid of these of these intense guilts. And a lot of them were about how, you know, behaviors I had where I let myself down and, you know, looking back like, wow, if only I'd stood up for myself in this situation, this wouldn't have happened. If only, you know, and it really did help me see the reasons why I might, you know, I didn't step up, but that I don't need to 
you know, be afraid of those things anymore. So anyway, I just, I did really um, appreciate what Stephanie, Stephanie Covington said here. And I do like everybody else's, you know, ideas and insights, but that was the one that kind of stuck out to me. Pass. Thank you, Jenny. Don, go for it. Um, I think um, I'm, I'm just moving into my second fourth step. I did one last year, the traditional way, and, and it felt, it felt all consuming and, but I was able to um, unburden myself of some long held things that were eating at me. So that was lovely to clean the slate. And I thought about it just the other day. Um, my biggest, darkest, deepest, one of the shame pieces I'd shared with a friend. And I was thinking, cause I'm going into working it again. Um, oh yeah. I actually told another living soul about that. And now I don't have to think about it anymore. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, a relief. So this time around, I, I really like the Serge Pringle, the, the patterns. I've, I've gone through the, the relationships and, and my pieces in it last time, but this time I'm seeing, I'm really examining the different patterns on a deeper level and um, thinking about and I, I love what it says too about the good and the bad. And then, and then it says not to um, not to judge. Well, I'm I'm learning to let go of that good and bad judgment too. Um, even saying good and bad, there are, there were um, defenses rather than defects that I used, and um, they they make a lot of sense now looking backward. And um, even the, you know, the triggers yesterday, having the family company <laughs> for the weekend, I was happy to scoot them out the door and, you know, practicing that compassion and with myself, um, recognizing the triggers yesterday and, and how, how I uh, got a little reactive and looking back on some of the tra- family trauma, it's not surprising. And um, so I'm, I'm, I really, I really appreciate the Serge Pringle, and um, I love that uh, what someone shared about the developing a relationship with reality. Yeah, through understanding the patterns of my life, and and the um, continually working a step four um, so that I can have more more um, intention moving forward. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Ah, Jenny, go for it. I just realized I didn't add one thing that I wanted to say, which especially if there's any newcomers here is just the value of doing like the fourth step more than once and about how you get different things out of it at different times. And I just really, for me, secular OA is going to be like a part of my life for the rest of my life. And the self-examination is just going to keep continuing. And I was just surprised at um, when I did the fourth step the second time, like things that I had forgotten or didn't even think were like issues, you know, kind of came up again. And it was like, you know, reviewing the same time period I had reviewed before, but it's just kind of, you know, you can only clean for me, I can just only clean up like a little bit at a time or I can only like, you know, discover a little bit at a time. So even though I'm totally there for the clean slate, um, I feel like, you know, sometimes you got to flip the slate over and there's stuff on the other side you didn't see the first time. And uh, so I just wanted to say that. Yes. Thank you, Jenny. Valerie. 
I just wanted to say maybe it's piggybacking. I'm sorry, um, but um, I'm looking forward to, I'm just finishing up the traditional 12 steps, but I'm really looking through going through the other versions and kind of redoing, you know, like the Buddhist version and the, um, you know, the karma version, the the different versions of the steps to get different things out of them. And I think um, I'm just kind of excited for that. So I, I thought I'd share it, um, you know, the Jeffrey Munn version, you know, all this, all these different versions that are available to us, you know, why do the same one, do something different and get something more out of it. So that's all. That is just about all the time we have for today. Um, and I'd like to thank you for all participating in this group. Together we get better. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit secularovereaters.org and consider making a donation. 